0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, people, I'm uh, flying out to Florida uh, this Sunday, and and what's weird about it is uh, we're staying with Joanne's uh, mom and stepdad, and they get a nice little place for the month. And it's just funny because it's like I feel like a jerk because I'm leaving California to go to Florida. The two warmest, the only two warm places in this country, and that's the only flight that won't get you know delayed because we're going straight to Florida. But we leave at 6:30 a.m., and it's so funny because we're trying to figure out what are we going to do. Because when I used to fly back east all the time, I would take that $20 shuttle. And it was good, but it takes, like, if we're leaving at 6.30, it means we're going to have to leave at 1. Because it take, like, three hours. They take take like, the, the weirdest back roads to LAX, and it's crazy. And then I was thinking, well, maybe we'll take Uber. But then I'm thinking, well, maybe Uber might not be around it at that time, and you're screwed. So, I actually, I'm, I'm going to drive to LAX and park. All those tight flights I made, those 20 flights, you know, two years ago, I've never parked there. But I went on Groupon, and it turns out it's, like, 40 bucks to park at LAX for, like, six days. So it'll be fun. I just hope, you know, we get there at the right time because, I mean, I don't even think security is open at 430 in the morning What time you have to get there. So enough about that. But I know my guest is going to Florida, too. Uh, My guest is Jack McKee. How you doing, Jack? I'm doing great. i dude's doing great. So now you're going to Florida, you said? I'm going to Florida on Thursday down to Naples
1: through Dallas to see my sister for three or four days.
0: Okay. Now, do you like Florida?
1: Okay, so, uh, I'm, you know, Florida's Florida, you know, uh, and uh, um, stand your ground. My, uh, my sister goes down there, as, as a lot of people from uh, back east do during the winter, so, and I don't get a chance to see her as much as I'd like, so the last couple of years I've just made it a point to go down and spend four days down there and hang out with she and her husband.
0: Now, you're a New York guy. Yeah. And you come come from a huge family. I come from a family of eight. Now, where were you in in that line? Because I know when I grew up, I grew up in New Jersey, out uh, in Cherry Hill, in Philadelphia. And we had a, a... family called the cool hands and they had of course n- they were they had nine kids irish catholics no yeah. tv nine kids and that's all I, they did is has kids where were you because I mean, i'm the cause, youngest of eight okay so okay because like them i felt bad because the two youngest were two girls so if you wanted to date their sister you're screwed because on all of them you know you gotta be careful right so so what was it like growing up as i mean with so many kids i mean was it were you guys mischievous were you i mean did you
1: well you know i'm 13 years younger than my oldest sibling uh, and uh, there 's only three of us left now you know i 'm sixty six years old and uh it's 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 uh it 's a life check you know and uh uh when you you know when you grow up in that family there 's there's a lot of mayhem but uh, the thing I remember most about it is around the table at six o'clock at night, everybody had to be at dinner, and it didn 't make a difference what you were doing what was going on sometimes the sports got involved it was a, a different story, but everybody was uh, the the madness the uh The meals, whether they be meatloaf or or something that was, or a pot roast or something, it all got, (laughs) it all got, you know, it was like an assembly line. So it was pretty crazy around the the dinner table, but uh, uh, we were very fortunate. Uh, My parents, uh, my dad, at one time was a professional baseball player when he was young, and then uh, my mom finally, uh, after they had three kids, and he was about 32 years old, said to him, look, you really can't hit the curveball that well, you got to get a regular job. So uh, he he worked uh, at a bunch of different things, and I come from a civil service background. Well, my brothers were either cops or firemen. Got a couple of teachers. My my sister is a teacher. Uh, my brother is in healthcare now. But uh, for the most part, it was uh, uh, it, it was it was a great it was a great upbringing. We I grew up in the projects in the South Bronx, uh, about six blocks from Yankee Stadium, and uh, and I couldn't have asked for anything any
0: better. Now. How do, I know I read that you got into acting later in your life, mm-hmm. but now as a kid, did you think? Did I mean because you're the youngest? Because I was the youngest of three, and you know right. we always the baby, so everyone's like, yeah, yeah. How did you did you learn you had to act? I mean, did you start acting when you were younger? Oh, self-defense. Okay. Sure, you act every day of
1: your life if you come from the (laughs) South Bronx. You know, and my my greatest asset has always been my mouth. And sometimes it's one of my greatest uh, character defects as well. But, uh, yeah, and and the uh, the truth of the matter is I actually, uh, I was a kid that was involved in the PAL, Police Athletic League, back in New York. And they, they had activities to keep kids off the street. When I was eight years old, they they came in and they put a broomstick across through a doorbuck and asked if anybody could walk under there. I wanted to make three hundred bucks a week. Uh, let's have a go at it. And what it, what happened was they uh, it, they were casting the role of Winthrop in the Broadway musical, um, uh, Music Man, and uh, I had no idea what it, what it was about. But they asked if anybody they they. Uh, tested us to see if we could pronounce and if we could project, and then they asked to sing, and I had been, I was about eight eight years old, maybe nine, and I had been singing with the black guys in the hallways and the bathrooms for a long time. I'm an old doo up guy. So I, uh, I sang Why Do Fools Fall in Love, and I made it to the, uh, I was the only finalist at the Police Athletic League to go down to the uh, Majestic Theater down on Broadway, and I auditioned for the Music Man along with a, a kid named Eddie Hodges, who wound up getting the uh, getting the play on Broadway and there was another kid that ran around with us for a few uh, few days when we uh, when we were uh, auditioning down there and his name was Ron Howard okay so that was that's what I did that's the first and only experience I had with theater until I was around 20 years old after I come back out of college and and started doing some community theater
0: now what did you go uh, what, what did you go to college for what was your major
1: My major was just, it was the only college that took me. I went to a small school out in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I only lasted six months. They wanted me to go to class, you know, (laughs) and I was involved in a lot of things, did three plays, uh, started a coffee shop, was liaison between the, uh, the, the college and musical groups that they brought in, but I really didn't have any, I had no direction at that time, and not a lot has changed.
0: Ah come on, you got direction well I have direction now i, I
1: know i i got i've been very very fortunate very lucky uh to uh to have the fire department came along Because after I got out of school I took the exam As all Irish Catholic
0: kids do in yeah, New York Is that is that something Because you have the long civil service Is that something that was like
1: Yeah, you, you, you know It gets tossed around in the, in the household uh, They take the test Take the test So you, I took the test and, and passed and, and sure enough uh, they, they called me and, uh, and the fire department was a great job for me Because it enabled me to have the time off And enabled me to have a salary coming in Flexibility with the hours so I, I moved from... I was living up in Brewster, New York, about 50 miles north of the city at the time. We had moved up there. We used to spend some summers up there. And, uh, and I moved back into the Bronx and started pursuing the uh, the acting career.
0: Now, you said it gave you flexibility because you work like... You, you're, oh, they call when there's a fireman. How does, how, does, how does a fireman's schedule work? Like, I have a friend who's a pilot, and they work three days on... And then off for, and then, you know, sometimes.
1: It's kind of similar. In, in New York, uh, the, we used to work uh, the straight uh, 24s. You work 24-hour tour. You work Monday morning till Tuesday morning. Then you'd be off until uh, Thursday, uh, Wednesday night. And then you'd work two, uh, a night shift and a day shift. And so it wound up being uh, equivalent to about eight 24-hour tours a month. So it worked out pretty well. And also, too, if I needed something, if something come up on a a Wednesday, and this was Tuesday, there were uh, 40 guys that I could make a call to and say, Hey, will you work for me tomorrow, and I'll work for you tomorrow night? And the night shifts were six hours longer than the day shifts, so most guys had families and they wanted to be home with the family. So I never had a problem getting the time off if a, if an appointment or an audition came about.
0: So when you were the whole time you were being on the fire department, you still your that was a means to end for you because you, you knew you wanted to be an actor. I mean that was basically what was in your heart. You said I am going to do this acting thing.
1: Yeah, I I, I that that was the the uh, 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 the disease that I caught early on, and then it uh, it it really started to flourish once I knew. That I uh, that I, I I could have I could I could do what they were doing down in New York City.
0: So how do you make that transition? I mean, you're 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 acting. You're the fire department. Mm. And you want to get into acting, but then again, you also do have the responsibility. Because the old thing is, you know, it's, it's scary because if something apart comes along, you can take that. But to leave your job, you leave, you're losing that financial security. Right. Did that go through your mind at all? I mean, how did you sit there and bridge it to where you said, okay, now I can leave the fire company?
1: Well, you know, I went to, uh, it was in 19, I believe 1984, and uh, I had been on the job for about four years. And uh, and I decided to take a leave of absence to see what it was like out in L.A. I had a bunch of commercials running at the time, so I, uh, I was with a, uh, an agency in uh, in New York, and uh, they had a they had offices out here, and uh, I came out here, and I, I, it was a great life lesson because although I had a bunch of commercials running, they wouldn't even see me out here. The theatrical department wouldn't see me, and then I find I realized at that point that in New York it's a business, out here it's an industry. The opportunities are tenfold, but. So the amount of people that want those same jobs. So I, I restructured. I went back to the fire department after I took... Uh, I had a year leave of absence. I took only six months, went back. I worked at it. I, uh, I worked at uh, uh, making contacts and getting in front of people that were doing films. And sure enough, in 1986, I, uh, I landed a small role on a, the first film that I ever did, which was... Turk one eighty two
0: with Timothy Hutton. I believe. Timmy Hutton and then
1: Robert Urich.
0: I remember seeing that movie. Yeah. it was a firefighter movie. Yes, it now, was. Now, how you said a lot of comm- what kind of commercials were you were running for you? What kind of commercials were you doing?
1: You know, I was some cops. You know, I did a couple as, as, as a fireman. Uh, um, just and you know, commercials are funny thing. It's flesh peddling.
0: Because really all it is is
1: just a face. You know, a lot of times there's no, not even any dialogue. So you just go in and sometimes they're just cattle calls and you just keep going back and back and back and back. And I remember the, the first agent that I got uh, told me, don't get discouraged. It'll take you 70 to 80 auditions to get your, uh, to get your first spot. And I, had, uh, I got lucky by the time I had done maybe eight or ten auditions, I had five or six commercials running.
0: Now, how would how, how the other firemen acting? Were they giving you a hard time just because, hey, this guy on TV? And were they busting your balls of or Of course what? they break my
1: balls. That's what you got to, you know, if you give it out, you better be able to take it. And I remember the first commercial I ever did was for Kellogg's Frosted Mini Wheats, Crunchy Wheat, Nicely Sweet. I was Crunchy Wheat. And of course, they made fun of me, and they'd say, oh, look at look an at asshole. What looks the two-headed dragon, the two-headed monster, until they found out how much money I made. And then they all wanted to become actors. They all wanted to become actors. So it was. Uh, they were very supportive. And then when I started doing some off-off Broadway stuff, a lot of guys, a lot of guys from the firehouse would come down and support. You know, God forbid, they would never tell you that you were doing well. Right. But they tell all their friends they, <laughs> that they know you. Yeah. And well, now no. they all know me now. You know, <laughs> they all know me now. But back, but still, the great part is that when you go back to New York, when you go back home to where they know you, you know, you walk into the. Uh, you walk into the uh, uh, the bar or wherever you're going to meet these guys. And they're like, hey, look who it is, Robert De Niro, you fat bastard. What'd you do, <laughs> gain 30 pounds for your last row? And you have to put up with that. But you know when they go home and they're out there bragging about you <laughs> to everybody. Hey, my friend, my friend, you know.
0: That's so East Coast. That's like what we used to sit exactly. there. We would go out, you know, we would go out to a bar and we would always go, before we go to the club, or we'd go to the bar where it was like the cheap beers. Right. And we'd be hanging out drinking and you just bust everyone's balls. And the person who couldn't take it you just attack him. Because well, he. it's like, it's like you, if you can't defend yourself, but then we knew there was things off-limit. Like, my buddy was bald We didn't at a young age. We said, we, we can't make fun of him because that would really hurt him. But that's just so funny. The busting of the balls is such an intricate, intrinsic part of back east. And I always laugh when people are so sensitive when they can't take it. When, I mean, there was stuff said when we were kids. You the look last, look thing the, the go, last
1: thing in the world you want to do is tell somebody that, <laughs> that, that hey, come on, don't call me that. Yeah. What? You know? And then I, I had a... I had a, a, a Pretty good uh, ability to uh, to dress somebody down, so they didn't. Nobody really messed with me, and if they did, it didn't last long, you know, because we, you know, we we, we trim
0: them, right. we trim them real quick. I don't even have to take a tool out for you. Exactly. So now, you, when you got cast for Turk One Eighty Two, right? What was it like going from being in commercials and being in plays to being on a movie set? Was it something very fascinating to you, or I because mean, it's a totally different thing?
1: I'm well, sure. yeah, it's it's all fascinating, you know. I remember just thinking the first time I saw the commercial on TV and blah 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 this and that. Uh, but then when you go on a movie set, everything's slower. It's it takes longer. And the uh, the the funny part about this particular one is that you know that I had I think I had about eight or ten lines in it. And when the final cut came, they cut all my lines. So I had told all the firemen because it was a big benefit. It was about firefighters, and they oh it was a big uh, 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 grand opening down in Times Square, and everybody come down, and, and you know and, if, and like I said, if you give it out, you better be ready to take it, and. And there was every time I went to say something, you'd see my mouth going and they cut to something else. So I learned that that was a very, it was a pretty valuable lesson. Don't. Open your mouth until you're sure yeah. you've seen the product. <laughs> so, really, the first film that I had a, a speaking part in was a film called Five Corners, which was John Totoro. Johnny's first, uh, Freda Lee, Jody, Foster Jody right? Foster's first film after she came out of Yale. Uh, Tim uh, Tim Robbins' yes, first. Yes, I, I remember yeah. that movie. I seen it. Yeah, Todd Graff. It was a uh, it was a film that uh, John Patrick Shanley wrote, and uh, it was about the uh, the uh, Five Corners area in the Bronx.
0: And so now that you got your line. Right. And now, what was that like to see, actually see yourself? I mean, it must be a great feeling, because I mean, after Turk 182, it, 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 it must be disappointing, because you're sitting there going, oh, man, they cut me out, even though you were in the movie, but for this, what was it like to actually see yourself on the big, because you're seeing yourself on a big screen, what was that like?
1: Yeah, well, seeing seeing yourself small screen anywhere in a mirror, it didn't make a difference. You're in love with yourself. Uh, <laughs> but you uh, it, it, it was pretty exciting. And uh, and the I remember the soundtrack that opened up the film was uh, uh, In My Life by John Lennon, and I'm thinking, wow, it's so Overwhelmed, saying, "Man, this is this is actually this is happening," and it was uh, it was a pretty terrific experience. Uh, Tony Bill uh, was the was the director, and uh, and I've I've seen him throughout the years a number of times. And he, uh, he he's a great claim to fame is that he discovered me. But Meanwhile, he hasn't hired me since then. <laughs> you know, discovered me, hire me. You know, exactly. but uh, uh, the, what I what I treasure the most about this business are the people that you meet. And it's not always, you know, it's the, not the actor. Yeah, it's nice to go and, 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 and do the walk and uh, and go to the parties and stuff. But the uh, the guys and girls who work on the crew because you come from a blue-collar background, you know how hard they work, you know, and uh, and there's a magic that happens.
0: Yeah, I have, I have a few friends who are sound men. And, yeah. And they've done boom operators, and then now they go to reality TV. But they do everything from, you know, Biggest Loser to the one guy did a, a Madonna tour, and, he mm-hmm. just, and it's just amazing. Like, he says, true, we don't we're not always working because but, but I know they they have to be on the set constantly and it's long I mean it, it's like long long yeah. and tedious yeah. hours and, then you it's know, center, and, and it's if it says I mean I know a guy who was a grip this guy Cameron who's passed since but he would tell these stories when he worked on Alec McBeal and stuff like this where it's like or any of these where it's like you know if there's something that has to be in shot in the water you're in in the water doing that you're doing this and it's those guys would just I mean he had to get his hip replaced I mean those guys it's hard hard work it is hard and it's long and it's tedious it's boring
1: it's, it's time-consuming. You know, there's, the repetition is amazing. You know, it's, it is amazing when you, you get somebody who's never been down to a set before, and all of a sudden they come down, I'll say, listen, come down to visit, but don't feel bad about it after an hour saying, me, I got things to do. Because you, one would think it was all, all red carpet stuff, and it's not. There's a lot of long, hard, tedious work that gets done. And hopefully, if you get if you get lucky, and the the end result, the combination can uh, uh, can, can really uh, produce a really
0: good product. So you you, said you do five corners. You did it. When do you decide to move to L.A.? Because you're in New York, and now you had come to L.A. before, and you probably had a little sour taste in your mouth. Because I think, because what happened the first time you came out, well,
1: it was when, a little bit eye opening. You so, know, so, I, I wasn't discouraged. It was you know, I, I made sure that I I covered my tracks and made sure I was it was only a leave of absence. So I went back, and then when I did make the decision, which was only a couple of years after that, I had been uh, uh, on the fire department for a while, and it was time. It was time for me to go. I just thought to myself, you know, if I don't commit to this, uh, who knows when when it'll happen? And I uh, right after Five Corners, I, uh, I I forget what what happened after that. I have to look at my IMDb myself to to get the chronological order. But I Somewhat. had met I had met somebody in New York and uh, and uh, an agent, and they said, look, we're going to open up an office out in L.A. It was a branch off of Flick, which was a uh, a modeling agency, I remember and, they were, Flick. and they were being called uh, Click or something, whatever it was. And, uh, and so, uh, so I said, all right, yeah, you guys are going out. So they went out, I think, in, in April, and I went out in June. And I uh, I went from the Bronx to Hermosa Beach.
0: See now that's uh, so I always ask people where they first moved, I mean, mm-hmm. and it's uh, a lot of times like people say they moved to Hollywood or you moved because you know you, you moved in L.A. where there's a different place. But now you were acting, so I mean, how to pick Hermosa Beach? What a great, I mean, what a nice place to move. Well, I had
1: friends I had friends at, uh, from out there, and I had visited there, and I thought if I was going to go from the from the Bronx and spend a winter. Right. Uh, Away from the Bronx, I I I think I not go to the beach, so I uh, um, I went out there and I I bought a, a townhouse, uh, and then we we moved out and I I was living 150 feet away from the Pacific Ocean.
0: See, that's great. But then the thing that stinks about that is when you have to come up to audition, you're only 25 miles. But that's. Two hours. It's
1: it's twenty five miles, and also, uh, I, I uh, the truth of the matter is I only lasted there a year. I got carried out of there on a gurney, and I'll I'll talk to you. I'll tell you about that. But um, it was too much like party time, you know, just too much like party time, and and my priorities got all askew, uh, as you would say, and I and I wound up having to go uh, go and get a little bit of help and go away for a little while. Okay, you know, and I've been uh, it didn't it didn't take effect right then. I still went back and did a little bit of uh, experimenting and a little bit of uh, research, uh, but I've been uh, I've been uh, fortunate enough to be clean and sober now for 20 years.
0: Okay, so that was, that was but the first time wasn't a wake up call, right? But but you still so you you left? Did you leave Hermosa Beach then? I did. Now, I where- left
1: left Hermosa Beach uh, and I come up. Uh, I was living in uh, uh, near on Second Street in uh, Highland and Melrose in that area. Okay.
0: So now you had an agent though now.
1: Had an agent was starting to get out starting to... Uh, and you you have the
0: the list in front of you. Oh, yeah, I've looking yeah. cuz well, I know I know I remember well it's funny cuz I look at some of these movies that you forget about like four five the, the corn five corners until you see it and you go oh that was a great movie. A movie the hidden. Which right. you played the bartender, but the hidden was that it was. I think that was with uh, Michael Nori and Kyle McLaughlin, I believe. Is that the yeah. one Yeah. With the zombies took over the yeah zombies. Yes, took over the strippers. Yeah, and, th- and that was another movie that was just crazy, but just cool. Like right. it was cool. So how? Right. I mean, it's funny because you're, you're someone over to watching me. Someone watching me. You were bartender. Now were you getting? Right. Were they saying, okay, this guy's gonna play bartender? I mean, how did?
1: Well, you know, you you are, you all where you're from. You know, I'm a blue a blue collar guy, and that was the deal. I don't get the opportunity. To play a lot of lawyers, although I have occasionally. But, uh, uh, you know, the uh, uh, Hollywood, if if somebody's, if they're making money on you being a certain type of character, that's what you go out for. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I knew enough right off the bat that I was never going to be a leading man. But uh, the guys that uh, that I uh, became fortunate enough to work next to were all leading men. And all leading men, they need a sidekick. Right. You know, and sidekicks are good. You know, I mean that that happens. Uh, that still happens to this day, uh, film-wise. Uh, you know, I'm I'm usually the guy that's with the uh, that's the uh, the partner as a cop with the with the leading man. You know, it it happened uh, in uh, um, with the with well Kirk Douglas. I'm not Kirk Douglas. Uh, uh, um, mm, God, come on, come, on, come on. it's gonna happen. Uh, Goldie on, Kurt Russell, Kurt, Kurt okay. Russell, and uh, um. A couple of times, not only on Backdraft, but also on uh, he. Uh, we, we did a film. It's gonna come. It's in front of you. I, I, I forget him now. Well, because the, the, well, there's it's been so many of them. There have been a lot. Of them. I mean, uh, I, breakdown. I always, breakdown. There you go.
0: I always I always check out. It's funny because uh, when you look at IMDb and I, I think you have like 198 credits, right? And it's like, man, when you think about it, you know, because you're like, damn. That's that's almost two hundred credits. That's and, crazy. And they're missing isn't it? stuff, but it's just amazing because it just shows you've constantly worked, and it just shows that you know people out there that you know if you stick your mind to something, and you came from a you were a firefighter right. who wanted to be an actor, but you played your cards right. You were smart about it instead of just saying, "Oh, okay, I'm going to be an actor and you know take right. off." But it's cool just because I look through you and you have a great you know role of work. But now, when you were first out here and starting to work in the movies, were you going out to audition a lot? I mean, because you did a lot of guest spots. What was that like? Because it was constantly, you know.
1: Yeah, you're always, you know, even today, uh, you're always going out the door auditioning. You're always going to meet new people. A lot of guys in the business that I know used to say, hey, well, you know, if I don't get my rate, um, I've never been of that. I, I never think like that because what are you doing on Thursday anyway? Right. Go and, go and meet a couple of new kids. You know they, well, they like, Go and work. I worked one day on the movie Crash, and it wins an Academy Award. So see, I got to be part of something that wins an Academy Award. Exactly. You, know, you never know what the finished product is going to be like. You don't know what the deal is. You don't know who you're going to meet. And a lot of times I've worked on, on films, and then all of a sudden I, I work for, with the same director, Ron Howard. I've worked with him almost four or five times now. So it's just, you just go to work. I never think about what it is. What do you want? What do you got? Sometimes you're making a halfway decent buck, and sometimes you're making nothing. But you're meeting some great kids along the way who eventually are going to be the ones
0: that are going to be running this business. Now, backdraft. Yeah. What was that like being a firefighter and doing a movie about firefighters? I mean, because you actually have the... Did they look to you sometimes for some technical advice?
1: Well, they didn't. They they had technical guys there, and uh, thank goodness they they hired all the extra in the atmosphere. They hired uh, off-duty firefighters from Chicago. Okay. So they which made sense. They knew what it was like around uh, to be around a fire scene. They had the equipment. They knew about the they knew the uh, what they what they were doing when they uh, when the when the cameras rolled. So it wound up being they didn't ask me for for too much help. Uh, I just uh I, you know, I just went like it like anything else. It was a great experience. I still have six guys that I'm very friendly with in Chicago, and that's almost 25 years ago now that we did that film. And I just saw them this past summer. We're still Good friends, and a couple of them had roles in in, in backdraft as well it's just uh i'm I'm constantly amazed at my good fortune you know
0: well yeah I mean looking as well, you said Ron Howard, you know' in the paper, all these different movies I mean that must be great just because it seems like it's always one of those uh things where they must like you. I mean, because you're not—they're not, not going to call you back. Like, there's also sometimes people go, "Ah, I work with that guy. He's a prick." Yeah, yeah but yeah. They, but they don't get called back. But that must always be a—you know—for you, it must be a thing where they go, "Okay." When you hear there's a movie coming up from Ron Howard, you're probably like, "Oh, well, there's a good chance I'm, I'm going to be in it."
1: Yeah, well, maybe the, you know the shot. And, I'm not, and also too, uh, Steve, I'm not—I'm not the type of guy that that calls people up or has the people that represent me call me out. Hey, you know, Jack McGee was in you. I, I, it happens when it happens. I think, uh, and you hit it on the head before. I like going to work. I like my wife likes me going to work, and not so much uh, from a financial point of view, because she knows that's where I thrive. Right. I thrive being on the set. I like being around. You know, I go in early. I'm there an hour early whenever I'm sp- supposed to. My call time is. I'm there because I'm just jazzed about being around the guys and girls that make the uh, that make the magic.
0: You know. So you've been working a lot in the movies, and now I see one of your first uh, recurring was Easy Streets. Right. And now now that was must have been a great feeling that you knew it was I mean when you went into that did you know it was going to be recurring because I hear so many times people go in and they're reading for it's going to be one day or one role and then all of a sudden the the crew or the director or the actors like you so they go okay we want to come back and I've heard I mean that's so funny and it's so many times that has happened from different actors where they go, I just wanted to read and a lot of times it's when they go, I don't know if I should read for it but I said, you know what, I'll go in. I mean, did you know it was going to be recurring or?
1: Well, I knew that, I think it was a two episodes uh, that, that they were talking about but, and I've always, and, and you hit it right on the head, I never go, I never say, I don't know, it's a little small, it's a little, I, you know, if I'm not doing anything that day, it, I think maybe a lot, of, it's, it's, my, it's my job as an actor to, to change their minds. To, and to make them want to have me around. And, uh, and so I, I've, been, I've been successful. And that, that was exactly my point because I had worked with uh, Easy Streets was a, a series with, with Ken Olin and it was uh, written and directed by uh, uh, Paul Haggis and Bobby Maresco. And that was, uh, we go back to that story about Crash. Here we go, that series happened and then three years later they called me and say, hey, will you come and do a day for us? And I said, yeah, what, what do you got? And they said it was this guy who was a gun shop owner in this movie, okay, good. So we went and we did it on one, for one day. Those guys have called me back a number of times. I did a pilot with Paul Haggis. It's just, you know, it, that's what happens. Work begets work. If, if you show up, if your attitude is right, you treat everybody like they're contrib- like they're really, really important to the product. I mean, you were saying before about, you know, a lot of guys are sound guys. You know, I, I could do the greatest scene in the world with uh, with, with, with a beautiful actress. But if it's not in, in focus, it doesn't make the film. Right. So everybody's, if you're everybody on the, on the show, whether it be the cameraman, the, the people that are pulling cable, that young kid that's, uh, uh, that's uh, running craft service that isn't getting paid anything, if they're made to feel like they're a part of the deal and that they're appreciated for what they do, it cannot help but be reflected in the final product.
0: Now, what is it for you like? Because tra- as you look through your career, you transition from TV, both back to TV to movie, mm. and also comedy to drama. Now, you're in an episode of Seinfeld, right. which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's so funny. Every, every, I mean, it's so great because when you watch, I, we were watching a Seinfeld the other night. We were eating dinner, and you forget, I mean, yeah, we know how great that show was, but you forget like it was a Junior Men episode, and you forget how funny it was. Well, I mean, that must be cool because you, you can jump back and forth.
1: Well, you know, and and you hit that Seinfeld thing is amazing because it did one episode. I think it had three lines in it, and that's the one when I go on charity golf tournaments where I go and make. And, you, and you're out and about. You're going to, to these different uh, these different rackets that you go to. That's the one that most people say, "Hey, Seinfeld." And I'm like, "What are you doing watching those shows over and over and over again?" They're so popular, <laughs> and uh, it's it's you just never know what's gonna stick and what you're gonna be remembered for. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just so funny, because that's the thing, because right now, because you can always find, you know, you- these shows replay and replay and replay, right? So, and when you like it, it's one of those things when it kills time for dinner. Like we'll, we'll, we usually eat at seven thirty, so we'll we'll sit there, we'll watch Jeopardy at seven, right? And then we go what? And then we'll flip around. Oh, okay, Mike and Molly. we saw that one. Or, or, you know, you just flip. But the thing is, like the other night, we said ah, we just saw that Two and a Half Men. You know, there's reruns, you we go, Oh, well, Seinfeld. And so when you don't see it, but but you remember and you've seen it ten times, sure. But you remember the people. And I've had guests on this show when I've sat in there and, and I look at their IMDb and I, I go. Oh wow, that was the person in this Seinfeld because it's those one of those pop culture things that you just remember. And Seinfeld people are freaks. Oh yeah,
1: They're- I mean they really are in a great way. I mean they that's that's the great part is that you get. I'm working with working with a gal now. She's the uh, Susie Greenberg, and she's uh, on on this new show, the McCarthys, and she did nine years on right. the Seinfeld. Susie
0: Neman Greenberg. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, amazing. Amazing that you know you, you these and she's, you were in that but I yeah, I just worked the day, and she, you know we didn't see each other because she's she's a producer on it so she probably was a little bit busy that day but uh, it, it's it's always amazing to me how uh, how the how the the, the the people that you meet that you work with before you may not have seen them before but they know you from your work
0: now you're also at NYPD blue. Right. Now was that also was it the situation did you go in knowing it was recurring or did you did you prove your chops and they and they liked you? Cuz that was when that move show came out. We hadn't seen something like that. And the whole right. thing was like we saw Dennis Franz's ass. Right. But, that was yeah. But but it was just it was a different and that was one of the first shows that constantly the cast was changing because I know when Caruso left and through the time, you know, the Charlotte Russell right. and all that stuff. Right. But when you went on, I mean, it was a, you're Sergeant Mahoney, you know, right. so so you go on, was, did you know it was going to be a more than one show? Well, I had been on a couple of times before that, which was kind of rare. And
1: one of the first episodes I played, played a guy in the loading dock that uh, and, and and then after I played another small role, but that's what happened again, is that Botsko and those guys and then Bill Clark and the people that were responsible for, uh, for uh, uh, doing the casting there they remembered me and they uh, and and he, he called me back in and he asked me if i i want to come in it was want to be in one episode and then it wound up being about i think six in one season, six or seven episodes or maybe eight in two seasons so you know once again you just never know you never know and there was some pretty good storylines and that uh and that, that was that was a great on running gig
0: no, because it's funny because you've been in somebody and Now you were in Rescue Me, which was right. I. I love that show. I I don't know. I mean, years and years ago when I did stand up comedy, I, I had the chance. I got. I opened for Dennis Leary at the Comedy Works in Philadelphia. Yeah. And he, had, it's just when he was starting to break, like he had the the bow noses, the, the Nike commercials, and, right. and the MTV commercials. And what was uh, really amazing to me was that. You knew he was going to blow up and he was already blowing up, but he was the most humble, coolest cat like he walked in and I was the the host you know there's me in, and he walked with me and the manager in the green room and introduces himself and we're all like oh say <laughs> so ourselves we're thinking yeah, yeah we know who you really are you you're you know you're the headliner yeah but it, 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 and so and his career I followed his career and when rescue me came on it was such perfect for his personality because he has that he has that biting side, but he also has like you you want to like him, even though, you know, when he's Tommy Gavin, he's a prick. Let's get real. But you like him. But they were rooting for yeah, him. Yeah, but that's the thing. And that's what's yeah. great about it. Now, what season did you start in that show? And now, how did that show come about? And now, did that shoot in New York? That shot in New York. So you had to go yeah. back to New York. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got to go back to New York.
1: I, uh, it's, it's, an, it's another funny story is that uh, uh, Lenny Clark, a very good friend of, uh, of, of Dennis's, uh, was supposed to play the chief. But he had a show that he was connected to, and the show got picked up, so he couldn't do it. He was in second position. He couldn't do it, so they were scrambling around. And I had worked with Peter Tolan before. I'd, I knew his in-laws from uh, the theater group that I was with back in uh, in upstate New York. And uh, I put a call into him, and uh, he he got back to me. He says, and then we figured out that where we knew each other from. And uh, he says, yeah, sure, come on, you know, come on in and uh, and meet with the casting people. I met, went and met with the casting people, and uh, and thank God, I, I spoke with Lenny Clark, and uh, and uh, they wound up uh, uh, using me.
0: See that, now that was now that was uh, you were the chief yeah and now once again now does it did when you go into these auditions do they know your background that you were a firefighter or does that does that help you sometimes do you think does it help you get a part just because they know it's it's one of those things it's like I've had people on who were uh, a guy who was on Southland. And when police officers watch, you know, or when firefighters watch, you know, they want they want to be get represented right. I mean, that's right. the thing. It's like you know, like a, a stupid sitcom. You don't care, but right. when you did it, do they sit there and look at you and go, okay, well, this guy he's going to be very credible, not because he's a great actor, but because he was a firefighter. That ever, do you think it ever helps you? Uh,
1: yeah, I think, I think it lends to that, you know, and, uh, uh, it, and, and that show was also the dialogue was very, very cleverly written, and there's certainly the stuff that all the, all, everything that happened in the firehouse was just pretty comfortable, because that's the way it is. You know, if you, if you work with, uh, with let's say 16 guys uh, for 24 hour shift, everything happens in the kitchen.
0: You know, everything happens in the kitchen. Well, it's funny you say that, because I, I shop at the Ralphs here in Burbank, and I right. see there's always there's always three of them. You know, right. the firefighters come in, and right. I, I always want to say, which one are you going to cook? Because there's always, no matter what day it is, there, you'll see different ones, but there's always three of them, right. and they're sitting there, and it's just, you don't think, you know, you don't think as, you know, as we would, you know, as in the entertainment business, we call people civilians that right. are in it, but firefighters call us civilians. because, right, right. But you don't, you never think, like, yeah, they shop, and then I see him. You always see like the fire truck out in front of the route. Right,
1: there's always two guys out there in the rig. Yeah. Just, that are manning shopping. and manning
0: the radio, and the other guys are inside buying a meal. Now, so. Did it sit there? Did someone? Is there someone who charts out a menu for you guys? Or well,
1: no? Nah, usually, there's a couple of guys that that uh, that like to cook. And uh, and some that never should cook, but they're the ones that help. They're the ones that clean up. Everybody has a job. Everybody everybody pitches in. You know, and a lot of times you'll uh, you know they they never ask you. uh, uh, They may ask you sometimes. uh, uh, Tell you what they're going to cook. You know, but they usually say, "Are you in or you're out?" You eating tonight? You know, and they get a count, and then they go out and they buy the meal. And usually, it's too much. There's always too much food. Right. That's why. Feel, well, out here they don't, because out here they uh, they still have creases in their uniforms. Right. But back <laughs> back east, everybody winds up blowing up because you're just sitting around, and all of a sudden you you got the there's always leftovers, and then you finish the, eating the meal, and then all of a sudden you go out and you catch a job. You come back at midnight, and you're having you're having a meatloaf and, and potatoes at one in the morning.
0: See, yeah, that's you yeah, know. that's the way they put the wait on. Now, no, the rest can be in this, in this season, it's all ball bossing but that's very, yeah. that's very how it is in yeah the fire department. It's how it is in life. Right. So how was it because it, that seems like it would be such a fun set to work on because there was so many, I mean, there was, everyone knows who Dennis was but then there was Actors who weren't really known, like you know the younger guys who, uh, the, right, Steve Pasquale, yeah, and so Mike Lombardi, John Skirty. was it was there like a bond together? Because you know that because you guys were you were playing firefighters, but you guys seemed everyone seemed to get along. And I mean, it must have been cool because just busting the balls must just brought a bond for you guys together.
1: Well, they, that because a lot of that happened uh, when we were off camera as well. You know, every, you know, you get to know somebody, everybody a little bit and you see the characters that they play. And all of a sudden they start, part of their own personality starts to leak into the character. You know, and, and they, yeah, there was, there was always a lot of ball breaking going on. A lot of teasing going on. A lot of, you know, they found out you were sensitive about something. They broke your balls about it. Yeah, so a lot of that, it was, it was kind of uh, life imitating art or vice versa or whatever, however the hell that that thing is put. It was pretty comfortable when we were doing this. And they, they allowed us sometimes to improvise, you know, and then throw something in here and there and they'd keep it.
0: Now, now, what was it like going back to New York? I mean, when, well, I mean, you know, sitting there, you get used to California. And believe right. me, we get used to this weather. Right? And it's like I sit there now. It's like I said, I'm going to Florida. And I said earlier, there are only two places that are warm. And I see on Facebook, I see my friends putting pictures of snow. Right. And they're supposed to have a big storm back east. They're bitching because they only got three inches. They're supposed to get a foot. And I'm like, yeah. You know, I just, I mean, so what was it like? When did, when did you shoot? What, what months did you shoot Rescue Me?
1: Well, we went back usually uh, the first season. I think we went back in... Uh, Mm, might have been uh, July, and then they switched it up, and then we started going back in in uh, September, October, and we go until May. So the last few years, it was there was some there was some weather back there. Right. But uh, uh, thank God we weren't working. You know, we it was it was nice because you were working, but it was. Uh, I, there's, I have no reason to go back. New York City in the winter. Everyone
0: always says that, yeah.
1: It's like, I have nieces and nephews that say all the time, Uncle Jackie coming back for the holidays? I says, absolutely, Memorial
0: Day. Yeah, exactly. That's like Joanne said. She goes, oh, we're going back next uh, winter for Christmas. I'm like, uh, you know, because mm. I, you know, I, I did spend a Christmas there three years ago with her. I was there for three weeks, but it was that one winter that wasn't bad. Right. And it was still bad, because we get we get desensitized out here. We walk around like, not I have a leather jacket and a scarf on when it's 50. I go, what is wrong with me? Back then when I was younger, I would just walk. I would walk. We would run to the bars. Right, your blood gets a little yeah. thinner, I think. Yeah. So now, now you lately you've been on a, a bunch of shows, right? And you were, uh, and there it's funny because Rescue Me is isn't is that genre a, a sort of a drama comedy because it is funny, and then you were on Common Law, right, which was uh, same same kind of role, yeah. And you, you but the difference was you played a. Uh, because you know, usually you're, you're, you're gruff in your other roles, but you played a, a gruff guy who was trying to be really sensitive. Right, I was mean, trying to get in touch with my inner child. Now that must have been a lot of fun for you, just because you when you know you, you do the comedy, do this, but when they sit there and say, "Okay, you're going to play this role," and then, what was that like? I mean, now, did you when you read for that, you knew that was going to be a starring role in it, right?
1: Yeah, it was a regular. Yeah, it was a regular uh, role in it, and uh, you never know what it's going to be like. You know, you you read and you do the pilot. And you know you get a sense of what this this guy's about and the, and the show was about the it was a buddy a buddy comedy show about these two cops and uh but once they started having me uh burn some incense uh start to uh uh get in, get into some uh, some poses and and then to try to and then do some chanting and stuff I knew this guy was going to be a a little bit off and uh but
0: it was it was great fun it was great fun Now how does I mean it must have been disappointing because the show was good it's, I, me and my girlfriend watched it and now the other guy the, the young African American guy is in a bunch Michael of stuff Michael yeah. and then the the, the the blonde hair guy see Warren him, Cole I see him yeah. and all this stuff and you yes. guys it's funny and, and that's always my one I think something's a good show you all of you guys have left that show and Gotten other shows, right? It's always pissing me off. It's like, well, if they all can leave that show and get these other shows, that means the show was good, and the show was good. So, what is that like? And USA seems to give their shows more of a chance. You know, whether it be the closer or Major Crimes. I mean, if you were, what is that like though? When you when you get a series and you think, you know, what this is a. Uh... This is This is good, and then you, you how did you find out it got cancelled or did they did, did they drag you out or what 's that like
1: it's it 's not an easy process uh, it, you know but it's uh, once again it doesn 't take me long to get from being uh disappointed about something to get into the gratitude about having had the opportunity when I found out that we were going to do common law and then we found out we were going to go to New orleans uh it, it was. I was. I was excited about it. I fell in love with New Orleans. If we would have gotten picked up, I was. My wife and I were going to move there.
0: What What did you love about New
1: Orleans? I mean, just- everything. I love the people, the uh, the history, the culture, the music. Uh, I wouldn't. I wasn't thrilled with uh, with the prospect of. I wasn't going to live down there from uh, June right. through through September. <laughs> I was going to say. I didn't <laughs> want to be there because it was. You know, if I want to do that, I could be in New York and you know, sweat my ass off right down to my underwear. But. uh uh I just had it. There was it, it was just there was something. There's something about New Orleans, the people down there, that were just amazing. And uh, I think what happened with, with common law, they uh, the, it suffered. The writing suffered somewhat. And and we had the distinction, I think, of uh, being the only uh, uh, show that only did one season on USA okay. to date. Most of them get picked up, you know, and you're right. Most shows that are on cable, they give them a little bit of a chance to get their legs. For some reason or other, unfortunately, that didn't happen with common law.
0: Now, when you go to New Orleans, like, okay, so you're there for a few months. Right. Now, where do you stay? Do they they put you up? I always wonder, it's like people like, because you're leaving, and it's always like, it's, I mean, I would always think, well, what am I going to pack? You know, and it's, I mean, how do you prepare for for sitting there and they go, okay, you're gonna be shooting here for three months. Is it like you're moving? Do you ship your stuff out? Do they ship your stuff out? How does that work? Well, you can do a, a couple of different things. The easiest way,
1: uh, and I found this out and the first time was, was in New York, uh, I sublet an apartment. The first season, I stayed with my niece over in Hoboken and rescue and me, then, and rescue me. Okay. And then I, I I started looking on, on Craigslist and uh, and uh, these uh, uh, these different rental agencies where you could sublet a place for four months. And I did that down in New Orleans, and I found a little a house down there. And, and then essentially, what you bring, I packed up. I uh, I had my car shipped down there so I could have wheels. And uh, and by the time I get down there, you bring a couple of uh, you know a couple of suitcases full of clothes. You know, and then you make do whatever you have to make do with down there. And if you move into a, an apartment that, that uh, you're subletting from somebody, it's, everything is right there. So that's, that's kind of what happens. They give you a relocation allowance of X amount of dollars one time okay to to uh, to make the move they usually that usually helps you in the first season and then but then after that you just i was prepared to go down and rent a place down there and uh, and, and just uh and, and enjoy the enjoy the life down in new orleans but they do it, it is there's not much you know if you if some guys some people move and, and And if they've been there a couple of years, if the show goes on, that's what we would have done. We would have gone down there at least for the months we were going to be working. My wife and, uh, and our dogs we would have all went down there, and I would have uh, rented a house and uh, and stayed down there and Then, when it was got hot and sweaty, I would either come back out here or I'd go to New York.
0: Now did your wife go down with you when you did it this, this when you shot the first time, did she come down or
1: she didn't go down all the time. she'd come down every every every, every three weeks
0: okay or I 'd try to come home. Because we,
1: you know, she has a life here. She works at a cancer support center right here in Sherman Oaks called We Spark. Uh, she does an incredible job. She does intakes on people who have been affected uh, by and/or have cancer. So I didn't want to take her away from her work, okay. the stuff she loved doing. And I have, uh, I have uh, now, I have five rescue dogs. So uh, we have uh, we have a commitment back here as well. So she held down the fort while I was down there enjoying myself in New Orleans.
0: I know. It's like yeah, it's the five dogs. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of dogs that have. I mean, that's yeah. just crazy. So okay, after after a common law is gets canceled, which you know hey, we were bummed. That's all I said because we sit there and, and you never you never really hear it. Like because if you don't read a trade, you don't know. And Then you sit right. there and you all of a sudden you'll be sitting there watching. You, like you'll be watching on like USA, you know, starting up soon. You Rosolia and Isles or and, and you go. I said to Joanne, I go, whatever happened to that show, Law. And then all of a sudden you see, oh, wait, he's on another series now. But right. I can't say that because you have have like series running together all the time. Well, I mean, I,
1: you, you would think. My wife would like me to have more series, yeah, but, the truth is, but I've been
0: very fortunate. Benched, okay. Yeah. An- another show that got canceled. Right. Another show that was very funny. Right. And I feel bad for Eliza Coop because that other show she was on Happy Endings was right. funny. I mean, that, that right. was like laugh out funny, that whole right. thing. And this show... Joanne found it and I started watching it and it was funny. I mean, it does it, does it? I mean, yes, you have to be thankful that you're. On the shows, but does it ever get you a little pissed off? When you're like, "Wait a second, this was that was a great cast, and Maria Bamford. I mean, just a great, uh, just great all around cast. What is? I mean, and was it fun shooting a comedy? Because that was that was actually a sitcom, sitcom. Because your other shows have been comedy, drama, funny. Thing. Right. What was it like to sit there and just go, "Okay, I don't think I'm worried about anything serious. I can just go have fun and screw around." Was it that was a great, great feeling? fun?
1: And I played the boss, so it was always in and out. And uh, the truth of the matter is, they got good numbers. Right. I have no idea why that they can go because right from the get go it, it got uh, great reviews the numbers were okay and for some reason or other they just dropped it you know and that was I only actually did 4 episodes out of the 6 of those because I was committed to the mccarthys at that time so they allowed me to do only 4 episodes as a guest star i would have been a regular if i wasn't committed to the uh, to the mccarthys at that time because the mccarthys been going was going on for almost 2 years we uh, i got cast in it we shot the pilot it was a single camera as a pilot okay and they uh, they liked it but they wanted to retool it and then eventually what they did is what they did uh, this this our first season here they did a multi-camera in front of a live audience
0: okay so you so you you had casting the McCarthy's first and right. then it was on hold so then that's when you took benched
1: that's when they allowed me to take okay. You have to They have to get permission from CBS. Can we use them for these four episodes? And, and sure enough, that happened. So I was really uh, only a guest, uh, you know, because of the contractual, the wording of it. You can't be considered a regular. I was just as a, as a guest star. So uh, I, I did the four episodes, and I was hoping that maybe it would get picked up. And was quite disappointed. Uh, Jay Harrington's a, a good friend of mine. It was a great show.
0: Well, the McCarthy's now, it's funny, because I, I always read the writing credits. And, you know, Tom Hertz writes on it. Who created right. Rules of Engagement? I mean, right. I knew him years ago. We did stand up together a few times. Right. but you look at the list of the people. And Brian
1: Gallivan. Brian Gallavan wrote on Happy Endings, right?
0: So all the those... Eliza Coop show. He's the creator of the McCarthys. So now, when that show role came up, did did you were you up against a few guys, or did they offer you that, or because it's, it's 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 in your wheelhouse? You play the Irish father. I mean, it's perfect for you.
1: I met with uh, Brian Gallivan and Richie Schwartz at a coffee shop on Larchmont. We had coffee together, and the next day they offered it to me so so that 's the first time that 's ever happened i didn 't have to read or, or for producers or get cleared by network. It just happened, and that was that was a great gift and to this as of now it 's the best thing that 's ever
0: happened to me well it's it 's a great show, and Laurie Metcalf is just amazing because I also watch her show on h uh, b o right uh, getting, getting on. on and their characters are so different, and even a Roseanne, but she just she plays that like even I mean, the character's a similarity because she plays that sort of like that neurotic, but like in the McCarthy's, she's not, she's a loving neurotic. In, right. in In Getting On, she's just a bitch neurotic. Right. But now, and that must have been, I mean, how is it working with her? Because, I mean, she's been uh, just a comedy rock star.
1: She's not only a comedy rock star. She comes in on a Monday when we had a table read after we had the script in our hands since Friday night, the new script, and she's almost off book. You know, she just is, when you go to work with Laurie Metcalf, you better strap on that six-gun, because she, she works. She's so good. She's so uh, focused, you know. And uh, and uh, in the in, initially, I thought, well, oh, she's a little serious here. She's a little serious. But she started to get more comfortable with us, and uh, I couldn't ask for anybody uh, any more professional and certainly more talented than Laurie Metcalf,
0: along with the rest of the gang. Well, that's funny about the rest of the cast because, you know, you don't notice at first when you read the credits, but then you know Tyler Ritter is John Ritter's son. And it's so funny because I was a huge John Ritter fan, I mean, physical comedy-wise. I mean, to me, him and David Hyde Pierce are the two best we have seen, just, just their understatements. But what's amazing with Tyler Ritter is when you watch it also, after you start watching, like after you watch one or two episodes, you start to see his father's characteristics come out. And and not that you've seen always, you know, acting like his father, but it's just that must be weird on on crew because we all watch three's company and to see like this reincarnation that that someone you're working with a the child of a comedy legend. I mean that must be that must be very cool. And
1: how and how uh how maybe that might play a little bit in his head. But you couldn't ask for a nicer guy. You couldn't ask for a more professional. He's he is there is so much dialogue that he and Laurie have. They carry the show. I'm always amazed at not only his grace, but his talent and his humor about it. And also, the, uh, that, that's probably a question that gets asked to him every single time he's interviewed about the connection with his dad. And he honors it. He, uh, he is, uh, he's appreciative of it. And uh, he's just a terrific, terrific guy.
0: We had a bunch of them. We had Joey McIntyre, New Kids on the Block. I know that, that's just amazing. I mean, come you know, on! You, I mean, that kid. You know, you think about it. I mean, they still get people watching. But they, at one point, they were probably one of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah. And, and you know, and it's like you can be an actor, and you know, can, you can think of it being uh, famous. But when you think of being in a boy band is like being in the, of the Rolling One Stones, band yeah, yeah, and, the, and the, probably the biggest boy band, right. and yeah, it's just funny because that's just weird for him to sit there and come. Now, what, what do, you, do you like shooting in front of the live audience? I loved it. Now,
1: like it was like doing a new show every week. Yeah, sure. There was some there's something about it. You know, we rehearsed on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We pre-shot some stuff on Thursday, and before you know it, bang, bang, here the lights going on and the people start coming in, and there are always sixty to seventy blockheads. New Kids on the Block fans. Okay. They're every single week. So as soon as Joey's gets announced when we first started, they're just,
0: like, out of their minds. How could that not psych you up? Exactly. So now now you've been, I believe, in four Oscar-nominated movies. Is that true? I know you were in The Fighter. Right. Now, what was it like being in The Fighter? I mean, what was that? I mean...
1: That was a pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting gig, uh, and, and, a, and a terrific one. I, uh, I got asked to, uh, to meet, first time I got, ever got asked to meet with the director at his house, David O. Russell. I went up and met with David, and then, then it was a little bit of a waiting game, and then all of a sudden they said, yeah, you, you got the role. And uh, it, was, it was, you know, I mean, it was, the, how many times do you get the opportunity to, to work uh, opposite Melissa Leo, Amy Adams? Christian Bale. Right. I mean, I was with Christian Bale up there for a five and a half, six weeks up in Lowell, Massachusetts. I didn't even know he was had an English accent.
0: That's funny, I and mean, that's a, that's what I because I remember seeing him in American Psycho, and I, then someone said, "Oh, he's I was what? He's English? No, he's perfect in that, in that role."
1: But I mean, this is that, then that's when you see him in, in the film, the finished product. I'm talking about in between takes, in, at lunch at breakfast. He never breaks. No. I mean, he wasn't fully Dickie Eklund's character at the time. But I, I went to the hotel, uh, had a swim with him, his kids on the, on a day off. Nothing.
0: That's crazy. You
1: know, and, and couldn't and couldn't be more professional, couldn't be a nicer guy. They, it was just a great experience. He had Mark Walker, I called him.
0: That's it's a great cast. Then we have to wrap up in a little while. I want to talk about your charity work. I know you do a lot of charity work. Yeah. What brought you first into working with charities, and how do you choose your charities you worked have worked with?
1: Well, I'm a cancer survivor. Okay. I'm uh, I'm uh, cancer free now, almost 17 years from colon cancer. Um, Everybody's affected by cancer. Everybody that I know has in one form or another, whether they're related to somebody. My wife works for this cancer support center called We Spark in Sherman Oaks. and, uh, you know, I, I think when you're affected by it, you have to do something. And then if, if you get a little bit of recognizability, and I still don't know what that celebrity thing really means other than the fact that if you can bring something to the table to help somebody with the struggle that they're having, it's almost like you, you have to. Right. You, you, you have to do that. What, what, you know, what, what else is this celebrity thing all about? You know, and uh, and there are a lot of people that, that 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 do that as well. We we talked earlier about this uh, this thing that I do on March twenty ninth, uh, a March Music Madness. It's a it's a collection of musicians that I have been putting together because I love music. And uh, uh, what happened was about four years ago, my wife was hiking up at Fryman Canyon, and she slipped on the gravel. And because of the way she fell, she broke her left hip and her left wrist. So the firemen that come up to put her in the ambulance, they put her and they, they took her away. They took good care of her. A week later, having been a fireman myself, I knew the right thing to do was go up and buy them a meal to say thank you for taking care of her. I went up to the firehouse to thank these guys and make sure I bought a meal up there. And they found out the guys, one of the guys that put her in the ambulance that day was killed in the Hollywood Hills fire. Okay. His name was Glenn Allen. And I was so... Taken back by the, about the news of that, I had I felt like I had to do something. Three days after he was buried, his grandson, his first grandson, Nate, was born. So in the last three years, I've turned that was it used to be in my backyard. Three hundred fifty people in my backyard, forty musicians playing music, and now we've moved it to the uh, firehouse on Witsit and near Ventura Boulevard. And on March twenty ninth, from noon till five. We have 40, uh, 50 musicians. Uh, this year the theme is Beatles versus the uh, the Rolling Stones. We Got a lot of great musicians. Mayor, Mayor uh, Garcetti came last year and he played piano and then did the finale, Mustang Sally with us. Joe Montana comes down, Josh mel There's a lot of people that, that I know that I'm starting to ask in the business, hey, just come down. I don't just just you know just show up. And uh, last year we had about five hundred people at it. We raised about not a lot, eight thousand dollars, but eight thousand dollars times the three four years we're doing it, oh, that we're makes up a around big twenty. Yeah, and, and I don't want I didn't want to turn it into a, a commercial thing. I want to just keep it as grassroots as we possibly could, with the main focus on celebrating uh, what what firemen do on a daily basis.
0: Now, what other? What other? Are you involved with some other charities? Are you involved in autism charities? Uh, autism Speaks. I have a nephew that's
1: autistic. My uh, my niece is uh, is the uh, the president of a chapter back in uh, Rockland County, New York. Jackie Curtis McGee, and she uh, she's uh, is very involved with Alzheimer's. And I'm also doing a thing on March 18th for the National Alzheimer's Association at the Beverly Hilton. What is on, that? They're March 18th. They're um, they are honoring Joey McIntyre because this year on this within 2 days his mom passed away and died of alzheimers and my brother my oldest brother bernie uh, died of alzheimers so that's n- another group that i'm uh, that i'm, I'm in as active as i
0: possibly can be that's good and my my mom has alzheimers yeah. right? it's, it's, a, it's a very tough disease people aren't really aware of it you know right. especially with some my mom's 84 and it's just you it's hard when you talk to them just because you don't think about it, and, and we're all of us from the East Coast. We're so impatient, and yeah. then you sit there when they forget. You start getting, and then you go, well, you know, it's not her fault.
1: But. Yeah, and then it also puts you in touch with your own mortality. You know, I'm sixty six years old. My brother died, and he was he was seventy seven, but he was he suffered with this for almost twelve years. And this guy was that worked hard. He was a lieutenant with the fire department, and raised kids, worked hard all his life, and to and to to see what this disease does and what it takes away from not only the uh, the individual. But the, the families, his kids that were taking such good care of him, and to, to see them having to close the door on their dad because he had to be put in a lockdown facility.
0: Right. It's just horrific. It's just horrific. Well, it's good you're doing all that charity work. You know, you give back. Now, yeah. the McCarthys were waiting to see about what's going on with it, right? We're crossing our fingers. I mean, because, you know, I like it, and it's, it fits in that night, and it's well-written, and it's funny. And it's funny because, you know, I didn't watch the first few episodes. My buddy said, you got to check it out. And then I watched it and I, uh, on demand, and then I told Joanne, I said, Make sure you DVR that because she she controls the DVR. She DVRs all these do. shows. The, yeah, the go, they I, always do. I, I go, I go. Whatever does this work? And you know, right. and then she she's like, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. You know, just and then she because she's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm an Italian. Oh, you know, and, but she started watching it. Right. And I she then once again she started she like me. I didn't watch it at first. Now I watch it. It's a right. really good show. Right. So now what else is coming up for you? What, what's uh, any TV's uh, talents? What, what don't t- know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. You know. Right now,
1: uh, you know, I'm on. We're on hold for that, and uh, we're just fresh off of the news that they. Uh, that we're going to wait now until May and see what happens, but something could happen this afternoon. Something could happen tomorrow.
0: What's it like when they say we we'll have to wait till May? I mean, it, it must be like Christmas. I mean, is it, do you sit there and you wake stinks. up every day? I mean, yeah, I would think it's like why do they even tell you? It's better to just say nothing. Well, say- they
1: own you. They, you know, you sign a contract with you. They own you, and they're going to find out whatever's whatever's coming on. What? You know, they have another show. They have The Odd Couple that's coming on now, and and they'll have to see if there's a slot for the for the next season. But it, yeah, it's and especially this one. This has been the one that I, would, I wouldn't I would tell them. I would do for nothing. That's how much fun I'm having with this. It looks and how fun. close we've become.
0: And it's funny because you do, you play very, you're very, uh, you're, it's not the, the typical you character. You're very under, understated in this. And that must be right. great for you because. Playing my father. It's just, it's so funny because you sit there even when you're yeah. coaching. You know, it's like you sit there and it's, you play like the typical East Coast father, you know. It's just, right. it's funny. And right. it's just, it's very, the the wife who's overbearing and it's just you know it's good and so now uh, so how do people get in touch with you or did you have any did you tweet did you do anything like that
1: yeah I do tweet and uh, it's uh, at, at the Jack uh, hashtag the Jack McGee and uh yeah you know it, through the McCarthy's you know they uh, they, uh, they have a a whole campaign going now, a, a boss McCarthy's tea party okay uh, to, uh, letting people know to please uh, uh, don't forget about this show and bring it back and that those uh, the receptions have been has been really really good and we just keep our fingers crossed and and hope that uh, it gets
0: picked up. Great. Well, I want to thank you for coming on, Jack. It was nice to meet you. People, so yeah, follow him and follow. Get the the McCarthy's pick back up. Uh, Follow me on Twitter. That's at Cooper Talk, at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have about 340 episodes up there. You can also contact me at cooper at coopertalk.net. And uh, Stitcher, iTunes, same thing, Cooper Talk, one word. Uh, It's like I said, Twitter, at Cooper Talk. And also, go to my other new website, Stop the Salt. It's my low-sodium cookbook I wrote. It's uh, 120 recipes, easy, easy cooking. You know, I went to My Health Problems, and I salt – screws with you. It's in everything. I'm not saying they'll give up all salt, but just watch how much it takes. But these are 120 recipes, whether it be pasta, salad, side dishes, or entrees that are very easy to make. It's called Stop the Salt, Low Sodium Cooking for One Without Killing Yourself. You can get that at StopTheSalt.com. If you order from there and you send me, when you buy it, if you say sign it, I know I, that sounds cocky, but some people like book signed. I will sign it for you. I'll sign it. Or you can get it at Amazon. Just type in Steve Cooper, Stop the Salt. And... It's the same price both places, so it depends what you want. Also, this Friday I'll be at the Capri in uh, Eagle Rock. It's my first performance this year. I don't really do stand-up much anymore, but the guy called and said, hey, you want to do it? So I said, yeah. So the show's at 9 o'clock. That's the Capri in Eagle Rock. Starts at 9. It's free. Come on out. So McCarthy's, you want to help save that? Hashtag Save the McCarthy's, right? Hashtag, That's it. Hashtag Save the McCarthy's. Check that out. Follow me at Cooper Talk. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, Take your vitamins, eat your vegetables, be healthy, be safe, and I'll talk to you guys next week.